Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Today's scripture reading is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Amy. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What a powerful verse. What a powerful effect God's word can have. And it's had an effect on God's people time and again over the ages. Reading this text reminds me of a story from 2 Kings chapter 22. So we're going to be in this text, but leave your finger here in the book of Hebrews and turn back with me, if you would, into 2 Kings chapter 22. And in 2 Kings chapter 22, we encounter a king by the name of Josiah. And when Josiah became king, he was just eight years old. But when he became king after about 18 years of reign, Josiah uh, made a decision to clean up the temple. He actually uh, asked uh, the, the, uh, the secretary of the house of the Lord to clean up the temple because Josiah was a righteous king. There had been uh, kings that didn't follow the Lord prior to Josiah, and in fact, they weren't honoring God in any way, and the temple had fallen into disrepair. And so he commissions these individuals to go and to clean up the temple. And in verse 8 of chapter 22 in 2 Kings, it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, so Hilkiah was the one that was kind of leading the charge to clean up the temple, to put things in order because they were going to honor God. And he says this, he says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And then Shaphan goes and he takes it to uh, the king. He takes it to the king. So if you jump to verse 10, it says, then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And look what happens to King Josiah. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. What would make a king tear his clothes? It's because he had heard the word of God. And the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God had been lost, to, really lost to the people of God. It was there. It was there in the temple, but it hadn't been regarded. It hadn't been read. Even King Josiah, when he became king at eight years old, it's not like his parents were sitting down and reading Bible stories to him. 
He didn't know of the word of the Lord. But when he encountered the word of the Lord, it had such an effect on him, he tore his clothes. And the effect of that, as if we were to continue to read, were that he gathered some of the godliest people to study the word of God and to put into practice the things that he found in the word of God, to call the people of God to follow God. And the inevitable reality of what happened, they began to enjoy the blessings of God that come because the covenant of God was renewed with his people all because the word of God was read. So God's word is great. That's kind of the main theme for this morning. And we're going to look at this text because God's word is great and we should treasure God's word. We're going to look at three powerful truths about why God's word is great. But we must understand there's a context here. We can certainly quote this verse talking about God's word, but there's a context. It comes here in the book of Hebrews. It comes at the end of an argument that starts back in chapter 3, verse 7, which says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. If you remember from a few weeks ago when we were in that text, the writer of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 95. He's quoting Psalm 95 because he wants them to encounter the Lord because he doesn't want them to do what the nation of Israel did way back when, when they they rejected God, when they rejected his ways. And he doesn't want them to make the same mistake, so he quotes scripture. And then as we ended last week, the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So he's like, let us strive And he's kind of taking them back to the text, the word of God. Let this word that I've shared with you have an effect in your life because the people of God rejected the word of God. So may we be a church that doesn't reject the word of God, but embraces the word of God. And there are some three truths that we're going to look at this morning, three powerful truths about the word of God that every Christian needs to hold dear. The first truth is this, the word of God is living and effective. So our text says the word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and effective. We'll talk about effective in just a minute, but the fact of the matter is, is the word of God is living. The word of God is God's message. So the people of God over the ages didn't always have their own copy of the scriptures. They heard it. It was transmitted orally. The, the message was no less powerful when it's transmitted orally, but we have the privilege that the word of God has been recorded for us and we can read it and we can encounter God in his word. So for us, when we talk about the word of God, certainly when we speak the word, but obviously when we read the word, it's the word of God. But this word is God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. It's not inspired in the sense that you know, some people get an inspiration when they, when they write a poem or when they maybe make a piece of art. They're inspired. Something inspires them to do it. This isn't inspired. It wasn't like the writers of this book where, uh, you know, they saw something and, oh, I think I'm going to write something profound down. No, these are, are words that come from the mouth of God. 
Second Peter 1 tells us this about those who wrote the scriptures. It says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, as, as the Spirit says, as the author of Hebrews said back in chapter 3, and then he quotes Psalm 95. So David's words were God's words. So we have to understand the word of God is breathed out by God. And the word of God, as it's living, it's a living word, it lasts forever. It endures forever. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's alive. It, it has life. It lasts. It, it has an effect on us. It's a life-giving word. In 1 Peter 1, we learn, uh, it says, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, that through the living and abiding word of God, born again, because the word of God gives life and all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So it's, it's living. It lasts. It endures. It's not old. There are some that would tell us in our culture, well, this is an old book, it's an old relic, you should put it on the shelf, and you shouldn't worry about it because it's old, it's dated. No, the word of God is living. May we never give in to those temptations or the lies that are being told us. Because here's the reality. Every other book that you study at some point in time, it's going to find itself on a shelf gathering dust. Or maybe it's a digital copy, but it'll be a digital copy that no one will access and no one will go to because those words have a shelf life. These words do not have a shelf life. They, they remain forever, and, and it's life-giving word. It can change you whether you are 8 or 12 or 82. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is or anything. The word of God is living, and it can change you. And teens, if you're here, this word can change you. If you would give your life to the study of this word, to putting into practice this word, it will have an effect on your life. I guarantee it will have an effect on your life. Psalm 118 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Not by reading the best self-help book, not by reading the the most current trendy thing of today, not by reading pithy statements on social media. This is the word that's going to change you. So the word endures forever, but the word accomplishes, God's word always accomplishes what it's intends. So when we read, for the word of God is living and active, that word active means it's effective. That means it always produces the intended result. You may be familiar with Isaiah 55, 11, which says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Some translations say void. The word of God doesn't return to us void. So it doesn't return empty. So the word goes out, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word as it goes out 
always accomplishes that which God intends to accomplish. So when God wants to convict, his word goes out and it brings conviction. When God wants to encourage, his word goes out and encourages. Now, sometimes we can doubt that truth because we go, well, I've shared God's word and it's not, it's not bringing about the result that I want. There, there's something in that statement right there. The result that you want. God's word always carries out and and succeeds in its intended results. Sometimes that word, when it's shared, is meant to be the warning for someone not to engage in sin or for someone not to end up in eternity apart from Christ and hell. And that word may have had the intended effect of judgment. We don't know. But God's word always is effective. It always carries out that which it intends. Martin Luther was a great reformer, was used at the beginning of the Reformation to see the word of God actually revisited and known rather than the dark ages where people didn't have a copy of the scriptures. The word of God was shared and rather than listening to just people who were in religious positions that would say what was going on. No, people could actually engage with the word and he trusted in the word. He believed these things about the word. So much so that, that he rested in it. This is what he said. He said, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. He doesn't take credit. He goes on and he says, And when, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my Philip and my Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor inflicted such damage upon it. I did nothing. The word did it all. Even someone as gifted as Martin Luther said, no, all I did was read it. Whether I was sleeping or eating or doing other things, it doesn't matter who's in whatever position, it's the word that does it all. Because the word is living and active. Truth number two, the word of God penetrates So we read here that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it pierces. Now, just a side note, it's not talking about here when it says piercing to the division of soul and spirit. It's not that there's two parts to our soul and it can be cut. No, it's speaking to the fact that the word of God speaks to and can pierce the the depths of our human personality, our mind, our conscience. It can get right to the core of everything because a double-edged sword is sharp on both sides. Would have loved to have brought one here to to share with you, but I learned that it's illegal to purchase one in the state of Michigan. Double-edged sword. Just so you know, apparently that's going to be difficult for those knights in shining armor in Michigan. Can't get a double-edged sword. Why is a double-edged sword so dangerous, so effective? Because it's sharp on both sides. It doesn't matter where it goes in. It can cut where it needs to cut. It can go where it needs to go. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. So the sharpest of knives that you have encountered, this image of what the word does, the word doesn't cut our physical skin. 
but it, it pierces to, into our, our, our souls, our very being. That's how powerful the word of God penetrates. It's kind of like the, the word of God can cut through the hardest heart like a hot knife through warm butter. The word of God can cut through the hardest heart. And it's discerning. It says discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What does that mean? It means it, it's, it's critical. God's word sifts through the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts with flawless judgment. You've, you've experienced this when you've encountered the word. It's just timely. It hits you right in the right spot. It exposes us right where, at, where we're at, and it can expose a hardened heart. A, a story of how this, this plays out in real life. Charles Spurgeon once told a story about the evangelist George Whitfield. He was an evangelist in the 18th century who'd go around, preach hundreds, thousands of people would come to saving faith in Christ. Well, Whitfield was, as an evangelist, uh, had people that mocked him. And once there was a group of mockers that hounded him that called themselves the Hellfire Club. You know, I've had critique and engage with people. I know I can grow, but I've never had a group of people that joined a club to, to mock me. I don't know of any preacher that that's happened. So they, these, these guys would get together just to mock Whitfield. And one time, there was a guy by the name of Thorpe that was mimicking Whitfield to his buddies. So the, apparently, I don't know what this looks like, but apparently they're together, and, and this guy Thorpe starts preaching one of Whitfield's messages. And he preaches it so brilliantly. It's, it's accurate. He perfectly imitates Whitfield's tone and his facial expressions. And he's so accurate in proclaiming the word of God, trying to mock Whitfield. Immediately, he, he falls under conviction and he falls down and he repents. And he becomes a Christian. That's how powerful the word of God. A mocker can preach the word of God and he falls under conviction. And then this guy Thorpe becomes a prominent Christian leader in the city of Bristol. The word of God penetrates. Truth number three, the word of God exposes. Look at verse 13. And no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's sobering. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything. And God's word, as we open it and we interact with it when it's proclaimed, it uncovers both good and evil. 
both righteousness and sin. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Psalm 90 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Encountering the word can be uncomfortable because it exposes us. We can't hide from it. We think that we can hide from it. We think that we can be in secret, but we can't hide from it. The picture of this happened when uh, there were some boys who were stealing some apples. And because as they were in the act, it so happened that the great American astronomer Samuel Alfred Mitchell was observing the sun through his telescope. So he's checking out the sun through his telescope. How he does that without burning his eyes, I don't know. But he's checking out the sun, and as the sun is setting on the horizon, his telescope from miles away, like seven miles away, comes over the orchard and he sees these two boys. They think they're getting away from it. And his telescope comes over the orchard as the sun sets and he sees these two boys stealing from the orchard. They think, you know, I'm sure like one one dude's like stealing it. The other one's like on the lookout. We're looking, we're fine, we're fine. And the whole time, Samuel Alfred Mitchell sees the whole thing. Nothing stays secret when we encounter the word of God. Nothing stays secret. God sees the vulnerable state we're in. So to even be exposed, this is naked and exposed. It's not just about not not having clothes on and being exposed in, in that way. It's an image. It's, it's, it's getting at you know, the, the weakness. When someone's exposed, kind of the nuance of the, the text in the original is like when a king was defeated by another king, he might be put, you know, put in submission and you know, the king put his foot on his neck. So it's not just that he, he would be removed of all his royal clothing, but he's kind of in this place of absolute, utter weakness inability to do anything. That's what the word of God does. A.W. Tozer says, God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality, all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations and all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every untethered, um, every unuttered secret, all thrones, all dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and on earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, hell. All creatures are in the grip of God, totally totally vulnerable and helpless, laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So do not harden your hearts. Remember where this comes from in the context that it comes from. It's do not harden your hearts from Psalm 95. Don't harden your hearts from the truth of this word. 
And if you, if you are here and you are uncomfortable, that's what's supposed to happen because the word of God has an effect. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're sensing something, there's a burden there. I don't know if I want to go there because I'm feeling this burden. That's actually a good thing. That's the word of God that is having an effect in your life. Because in the word we learn about Christ and Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life and went to the cross for us. Rather than the word of God being a crushing word, the word of God can be a helping word one that leads us into righteousness and rather than us experiencing condemnation and hurt and, and oppression. So if you've never trusted in Christ, I'd encourage you to engage with his word. I'd encourage you even to take some time today, go home and spend some time in the gospel of John. Encounter Christ. If you want some help with that, I'd love to talk with you before you leave. One of the elders, one of the small group leaders, we'd love to engage with you before you go. But let the word of God have its effect because God's gaze is there. And if you have trusted in Christ, know this. God's word exposing and seeing everything isn't just so that conviction can come. It certainly has that effect. But God sees everything that you do, and he rewards the things that you do when you desire to bring him glory. He sees everything. So just know that when you're discouraged about the things that you're doing, you're seeking to honor the Lord, whether maybe it's in the junior high school that you attend, or maybe it's in the workplace that you're at, and you're just like, nobody sees. That is not true. There is someone who sees and God exposes that. And as God even exposes your heart to do some of those things, like know that he's at work and you'll be rewarded one day for those things. But let's sit under the word. Let's be aware that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Friends, if we believe this, it should change the way we interact with this book. We should commit ourselves to this word. There's nothing else that's talked about as being sharper than any two-edged sword. There's no other book, no other message that has this kind of power. The Bible isn't merely relevant it's not just some nice stories to read. It should have absolute authority in our lives. None of the things you're going to read on social media are going to, you know, they, they may make things warm, some, some nice things that you see. You're like, oh, yeah, but on my social media, people post the scripture. Well, yeah, of course, if they're posting the word of God, it's going to have an effect. But don't just go take little snippets of it enjoy the full context of it. Dive into it. If you have something that powerful, why would you just want a little piece of it? Commit yourself to the word of God for your growth, for your sanctification. Romans 12, 2 says, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Give yourself to the study of this word. If you believe this to be true, give yourself to the study of this word. Word, the bulk of your Bible study shouldn't come from the time that we're here in this room. 
It's important for us to open up the word of God every Sunday and in the context in which we meet, whether that's small group or we're fellowshipping over coffee or dinner, we want to have the word of God there, but we should be a people that know the effect that this word can have on us and be in God's word every single day. And I'm not here to put a law on you like it has to look this way, but if, this, if God's word is this, why wouldn't we want to benefit from it? Why wouldn't we want God to expose us so that we can grow to bring him more glory? The Puritan Thomas Watson said, by reading other books, the heart may be warmed, but by, be, by reading this book, it is transformed. Is transformed. Let's commit ourselves to the Word of God for our growth. Let's commit ourselves to the Word of God for intimacy with God. When we hear the voice of God, this is how we hear the voice of God. Martin Luther said, Let the man who would hear God speak read Holy Scripture. We want to read God's Word. The word tells us that we have come to know God, but rather we are known by God. We learn that truth from Scripture. The fact that you don't have to make this effort all the time, but because of what Christ has done, you come aware that you're known by God, and he knew, knew your condition when he sent his son to the cross. So you can have greater intimacy with God as you spend time interacting with God in his word. Commit yourself to the word of God to fight temptation and unbelief. Remember, the word of God in Ephesians 6 is referred to as the sword of the spirit. Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do we fight temptation? We fight it with his word. And you are going to be able to fight temptation in a greater way when you immerse yourself in the word. Not just when like, okay, a trial is coming. Um, can, someone, can someone help me find something? I was talking with some, some guys yesterday and we were talking about Gideon Bibles that you find in a hotel room. Any of you see a Gideon Bible? When you've been in a hotel room, you open the drawer, it's there. Often in the front of Gideon Bibles, they'll have, you know, they'll have lists of like, hey, when you're anxious, when you're, when you're feeling this, here are some scriptures to go to. Why are those there? Not so that that could be the pattern of our life of we only get into God's word when problems come. It's there because they're expecting people who don't know Jesus aren't going to know where to go. And they're praying in God's providence that as they open the Bible and they're in their particular point of need, that they're going to go to that place of scripture and they believe that the truth of what we've read this morning is true, that God's word is going to have its intended effect. And they go there. But the Christian, the one who knows Christ, we want to be immersed in this word so that when temptations come, we can fight it. When you drove in this morning, you, you may... You may notice them. I notice them every time I pull in, the, the big trees in the front yard. We, we have winds that blow around here. I know that because like kiddie pools fly past my house every single time that there's a windstorm, right? Stuff gets blown over all the time. Those trees are standing there. Why are they standing there? Because their roots are deep in the ground. How does the Christian fight temptation? It's because their roots are deeply grounded in God's word. And we know the truth about Christ, about who he is. We know the truths about God. And as we study them, it's not about that we have to just run to something to help us fight. Sometimes we just navigate because we know what's true. So let's commit ourselves to the word of God to fight temptation and unbelief. Let's commit ourselves to God's word for humility. We live in a culture that loves to say, uh, you know, loves to tell us we're awesome. You're awesome. 
the culture doesn't want us really to see ourselves accurately. They just, we, we, you know, we're told to have a high self-esteem, to think awesome of ourselves. But the word of God exposes us. Calvin famously stated, it is certain that man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked on God's face and then descends from contemplating him to scrutinize himself. Even in James 1, it talks about God's word being a, a mirror. Let's, let's look in here. And that surely will humble us, not to make us feel horrible, not to push us down. When we see ourselves clearly, we can function rightly. We can know if we need to be crying out to God for help to grow rather than pressing on in pride. Ah, everything's fine. Let, let the word of God have the effect of helping us to be more humble. Let Commit ourselves to the word of God for comfort. Do you have sorrow or do you suffer? Are you tempted or tried? Do you want assurance of salvation or the peace that comes from it? If you're in the word, Romans 8 will tell you what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How about you? That brings me comfort right now. I'm not even looking particularly for it, but that brings comfort. Where is that? The word of God. Why does that have an immediate effect? Because the word of God is the living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let's go to it for insight. As we read in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of the Lord is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We can discern more when we have wisdom from the word of the Lord. Friends, I can't say it enough. The Bible should be the lens by which we look at the world. I've encountered too many individuals who have read too many thoughts of other people that lightly reference this word that's powerful. And their arguments start with naming names of other individuals rather than, than the word of God. This book is how we should see the world. If we want to discern the world around us, let's fill our minds with this word. I challenged some men that I was with uh, just yesterday. I said, hey, I, I want you to try something. Shut off all your social media for just a week. You're like, oh, just a week? Okay, I, can, I think I can do that. Maybe I can't, maybe just a day. Seriously, shut your social media off for just a week and spend that time in God's word and see what the effect is in just a week. I'm not saying a month or two months or a year, just a week. Because the pithy things that we read out on the internet, they have a shelf life. Unfortunately, they're laced with untruth. Why? Because people are saying them. We're tempted to compare. We're tempted to all kinds of things. And I could go down the list. 
Do you know the emotions that happen in you? We even think we can win arguments online, right? I've never read a post of anyone that, that read something that was highly politically charged, whether in the church and out of the church, and go, wow, that really changed my mind. But I have encountered people who've read the word of God that have found themselves in the same place as Mr. Thorpe on their knees, slowly getting up because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So may we commit ourselves to the word of God. And the, the, the seventh thing, just commit, commit ourselves to the word of God for evangelism. We can be afraid of evangelism because of the things people could say about us or here's the reality. The word of God is powerful. The gospel is said to be the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. The gospel is the power of God. Not the man or woman who crafts just a perfect message to be able to hopefully convince someone to become a Christian. As, as Luther said, the word of God did it all. You got to do is share the word about Christ. And it will have its intended effect. I don't know exactly what that intended effect will be in that person, but I guarantee you it will have its intended effect because this word says it's living and active. It's going to be active. For some, that person may not come to Christ until after you go home to be with Jesus. For some, that person may not come to Christ until after they move away. You might not see the intended effect, but it will have an intended effect because God's word has the power. We don't have the power. That's why I encourage you, read the Bible with your unbelieving friends. Don't feel like you have to come up with all the answers. There's a few in here. I can assure you they will encounter Christ when they read this. I'm going to leave you with this story. A man once told of a story uh, of a drive he took with an evangelist in the nation of Lebanon. So he's in Lebanon and Lebanon at the time was then occupied by the Syrian army and their control was quite repressive. He and the pastor were driving in a van that was loaded with boxes of Bibles that they were transporting to another city where an effort was being made to reach lost sinners. The man told in the story of his great anxiety as they stopped at a military checkpoint and a Syrian soldier stuck his rifle in their faces, stuck his rifle in their faces and says, what's in the van? As the soldier demanded this, the man is horrified. But as the man is horrified, the evangelist pastor who's with him replies this, oh, nothing but boxes of dynamite. Then he hands the shock soldier one of the Bibles. The bold pastor explained, here is what I am talking about. Read this and it will break into your life with God's power. That's a man who understood this verse. Because he trusted that God's word would not come back void, that it would have its intended effect. He knew that that word would do a work in that soldier's life, and it was worth putting his life on the line to give him that word. 
That's why men and women of old have risked their lives to translate the scriptures into other languages because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why they would give their lives to it. It is spiritual dynamite sent by God into a world of darkness, and it comes in with power to overcome every stronghold, every human opposition. That's why the writers like, don't harden your hearts. Let the word have its effect on you, whether it's quoting Psalm 95. Let it have its effect on you as it did Josiah. If you haven't been in the word, don't think that, oh, I need to get my life all fixed up. Josiah didn't have his life all fixed up. They were just trying to figure things out, and they opened the word, and the word has its effect. It can have its effect on you today. So read this book. Memorize this book. Study God's word. It will break into your life with God's own power. Parents, you can trust it as you share it with your kids. Sister, you can trust it as you share it with your dear friend. Brother, you can trust it as you share it with your coworker. It will break in with God's power because the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us the gift of your word. I thank you that we have the privilege to hold your word in our hand. There's saints of old. There's saints in some places that don't have a copy of the scriptures for themselves, and we do. And I pray, Father, that we would realize the dynamite that we have in our hand, the dynamite to blow up the mess in our life and expose but also to bring the truth of comfort and healing that we need. The truth that we can hold on to, to be bold. I pray God that you would, you would expose us and lead us, guide us and direct us. Would we be humbled by your word and live under your word? And would we live confidently that your word it will have its effect? pray, God, that you fill us with your spirit and that you give us a love for your word. That we would treasure it. And Lord, that we would be a people marked by your word. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.